Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark. Let's bring in our special guest, former Eagles president Joe Banner. This guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to everything NFL and everything Eagles. And Joe, it's good to see you. This is a fascinating time of the year. The NFL never stops, does it? No, good to see you as well. And, and you know, for those of us that uh, weren't coaches, this is actually the funnest part of the year. And uh, especially these few days with so much happening so quickly. So great to be watching it instead of sweating it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you remember those days where it seems like everybody wants that big splash in every market, but the Eagles having gone to the Super Bowl, they've got all the offense pretty much locked down, but there's probably going to be a lot of changes and losing starters on defense. We've already seen it in the end. Do you think that the Eagles will pretty much have an overhaul on defense going a lot younger? Yeah, I, I think even with what we've seen so far, it's already qualifies as an overhaul for me. I do think they have a chance to get a few of the guys back that they're hoping to, but we'll have to see. The corner market is very soft, so maybe that gives them a chance to keep Slay happy and maybe even keep Bradbury. Safety market has started slowly, so we'll see. Um, but clearly we're going to see some changes in the defensive line. We're going to see some changes at linebacker and, uh, you know, they have limited resources, but they've been very creative in finding ways to make key additions without spending a ton of money or trading high picks. So we're going to have to do that again. Yeah. So it's interesting because we all thought that probably Bradbury was going to be gone as well with Javon Hargrave, but, with the market right now, the way it is, you think there's a chance either Bradbury or CJ Gardner Johnson do come back? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going on in the 31 other teams. Both are good players, play positions that, depending upon your scheme, are important. So, um, although the market is soft for both of those guys, I mean, the, the positions, not for them personally. Uh, which gives the Eagles a better chance of keeping them. I, I still think we got to sweat that out and see what happens over the next few days. And the situation with Slay, very interesting because of his age. Uh, he obviously wants a new deal, a new contract, wants more money. And the Eagles gave him permission to go out there and look to see if he can get a better deal somewhere else. Then they would maybe try to work out some compensation. But at this point, are you thinking that maybe they restructure Slay, maybe give him an extra year or two? Uh, obviously, they want to lower his cap number, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt something will happen with Slay's contract. It may be more of a cap, you know, uh, tweaking as opposed to something that really changes his compensation or how long he's committed to the team. Uh, but we'll have to see. I mean, he's going to have trouble finding a spot even as a quality player in an important position. 
Um, because even the guys that are free are having a little bit of a challenge. So he's going to be affected by that. I think the observation that he didn't play as well in the second half of the year is actually true. And I think that's hurt him a little bit too. <clears throat> but, you know, when you have a defensive line, and you know, this has been the organization's philosophy for like 30 years at this point, frankly, uh, you know, it, it gives you corners a huge advantage and they can look a lot better than, than uh, otherwise. Yeah, so, you know, Slay's still somebody that could really help them. And I think the most important thing right now is that they find a way to at least keep one of those two corners and they have the draft obviously as an opportunity to maybe find a long-term solution there that uh, keeps them in this away from this kind of one, two, three year at a time thing for a crucial position. And obviously we're looking back <clears throat> at a Super Bowl team. They had a great roster. Uh, do you almost look back now when you see the departures and the free agency that's happened, Javon Hargrave getting a big deal, a couple other guys, um, do you kind of say, wow, the Eagles really had the chance there to win their second Super Bowl with an incredible roster, and they're just not going to be able to have the same roster or as good of a roster, especially on defense this year? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the Eagles made a very smart decision, but there's a consequence to it. They had a quarterback who was probably on the last year before he got a very big contract. It makes sense to try to give a little extra effort while you have the space to add those players that eventually get consumed by that quarterback salary. They're still going to be able to buy a couple of years with Hertz's cap hit being fairly small, even if they have to give him a massive deal. Um, and so there's a price for that. They have to be a little bit more conservative for what they spend. Obviously, they have a few less draft picks than they've historically have, have had, and they certainly then they will have next year as well. So they got this kind of one-year gap where they got to kind of splice it together a little bit. I think they'll then be in a better position with a, a lot of draft picks, uh, a little more flexibility on the cap, although that's going to be a challenge going forward more so than it's been in the past. But there's always ways you can kind of push cap charges forward. They've been more inclined to do that recently than they did when I was there. Uh, and, you know, they, they won a Super Bowl that way and they got back to a Super Bowl that way. So, you know, it's working for them. But there are some consequences to it. And I think this year, you know, they have to be a little more conservative. And then you'll get them, see them back into their more aggressive uh, mode after they get through this year. And is it going to pretty much come down to, hey, Jordan Davis, first round draft pick, can he be a starter there and be a really, really good starter? And then N'Kobe Dean at linebacker. And you talked about some of the, the youth they have in the secondary. They may not be starting, um, but is it going to depend on those guys and then who they draft this year? They could probably get a corner, a defensive lineman there at 10. Is it going to depend on how well they draft with those young players? Yeah, I mean, two things. First of all, Davis is important. They got to uh, keep maintain the level of that defensive line because, you know, as I say, for a very long time, and especially the last five years, it's been the key to their defensive success. I mean, the, they won the original Super Bowl, I thought, with a lousy secondary. Uh, they got to the second Super Bowl with, I think, a good but not a great secondary. Um, and, you know, I'd be shocked if that 10th pick wasn't either a defensive lineman or a corner, but I don't think that's a great insight. <laughs> I think that's fairly obvious, but the defensive line is, uh, you know, we finished the Super Bowl and there's a lot of analysis, but really the one that's the same every single year is the teams that are in the Super Bowl usually have dominant defensive lines. If you can pressure the opposing team's quarterback, you have a very good chance of having a very good defense and not just a good defense against any, anybody, you know, any given week, but a defense that actually is capable of playing really well against the good teams. And if you're competing for a Super Bowl, that's what you got to do, not a team that can beat the mediocre teams. 
but a defense that's good enough that it's playing really, really good teams can still win. And, and the defensive line has been the key to that. So frankly, I was a little disappointed in what Davis did this year, but we've seen so many rookies and defensive line is one of the positions where we really do usually see very big improvements when we go into year two and year three. So I'm not overly worried about the fact that you'd never great rookie year, although it always provides a little more comfort if they come out and play well right away. But, you know, what he's going to be, it will be determined in the next two years. Yeah, the Eagles had such a great rotation, almost rolling two defensive lines this past year. So when you look at a lineup of Hassan Reddick and then Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham on the ends, and then Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, another young guy maybe, Fletcher Cox could possibly be back for one more year. We don't know. But they probably, it seems like they won't have as much of a rotation from what I can see. Uh, you guys might have to play more snaps now. Yeah, I mean, listen, they got those three defensive ends that you mentioned. That's a really strong start. I'd be surprised if they didn't pick up somebody, maybe a little bit more of a projection or in the middle of the draft. Uh, you know, there's usually a couple of defensive ends that may be a little bit older that can help you for a year or two that you can get, you know, even, even into the spring. Um, and that will give them the depth that they need to have the rotation they want there. The defensive tackle area is the one at which I think they need to make some additional moves if they're going to be as strong as they've been in the past. And it may be that that's not till next year and they, they go a little thinner this year, but, I promise you they're studying every defensive tackle that has a chance, whether it's in the draft or maybe slipping through the cracks because they're a little bit older or whatever. Um, and they'll make an additional in that area before we get to, you know, when it really matters. It's just so I've said this many times, the Eagles are the most predictable team in the league. And I think that's a compliment. They have a very clear set of beliefs. They're very disciplined about it. It's served them very well. And, you know, it's not hard to predict at least what they're going to try to do versus what they may get done. Historically, they've been very good at getting done what they've tried to. Um, but, you know, we'll see this year. But I think it's very obvious what they're going to try to do. They need to get at least one more defensive end to have the rotation. They need one or two defensive tackles to maintain the quality that they've had in the past. And whether it's this year or over the next two years, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to see them succeed at that. So uh, that's a great point because how he even said we're going to accentuate the positives and what we do, and that's the lines. Where did that start? Because you, Andy Reid, Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, I mean, this has been a thing since you've been there. Where did that initially start? Was it Andy coming to the Eagles? Was it you? Like, because that is proven to be true, that that is where you win football games on the lines. Yeah, listen, the answer is it probably started on a couch at Jeff Lurie's house when we were watching football. And we were 20 years old and had no idea that we were going to end up someday running a football team together. Um, it was great that Andy felt strongly about that as well and reinforced it. And between the three of us really, you know, etched it in stone. Um, and, and it served the organization well, but I think that's true everywhere. I mean, they played the 49ers in the championship game. They have an outstanding defensive line. You look at what Andy's done. He went out and traded for Clark, played Jones, all that kind of money is used high draft picks and defensive linemen. And this is what the winning teams in the league do. And so it's not a great mystery if you're copying the models that work. Um, but it started with Jeff and I and Andy, you know, feeling very strongly, unambiguously that this was crucial. You know, back when we we're, you know, drafting Burgesses and trading for Hugh Douglases and inheriting a couple of players who were pretty good at the position. I think the single most true thing about the franchise is if the last 30 years, they've had one of the best defensive lines in football. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, 
I remember those days when you guys would draft another offensive lineman after another offensive <laughs> lineman in the first round, and the fans would be like, we want to see a playmaker, but right. it has proven to be true. Right. And listen, they were partially right. We probably let the wide receiver position get too weak. I still think prioritizing the offensive line was the smart thing to do, but you can still let other positions, um, you know, you can be good versus great uh, versus mediocre. I think that was something we probably all think we could have done a little better job at the time, but I still think prioritizing the lines is what the winning teams do has served the Eagles really well over time. You know, I think the smart quarterbacks know that it's even more important that they have line protection uh, than they have weapons. Although in the perfect world, you're at least good in both of those areas. And, you know, now now they've got that where they're good in both areas now with Kelsey and Johnson getting older. It's going to be a little more challenging to maintain that, um, but they'll focus on it. We've seen them take a guard kind of a year before they needed him, a center now a year before they needed him. Um, so their priorities haven't changed. Their, the message is really clear that they're going to make sure those areas are great and then build the team from there. And you guys did such a great job, even though it was painful sometimes where you were able to see about getting rid of somebody a year earlier rather than a year later or somebody that was on the decline. That was such a great job looking back and the Patriots would do that as well. Um, now, Howie Roseman's admitted he does get attached to some of his veterans like Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham. But it seems to me in this situation with Kelsey coming back for one more year, highest paid center, that he is still at the top of his game and BG for the first time ever had double digit sacks. So do you believe that this is not a case of how he getting too attached to these veterans who won a Super Bowl and have been leaders forever? Yeah, you have to recognize that as the players get older, they do have a higher risk of injury. So we'll see if Kelsey and Graham, you know, play well and, and hold out and stay healthy through the season. But he's prepared for the possibility that that thought doesn't happen. Um, and I think they will add a defensive line just in case. But no, I don't think that's an example of falling in love with players. I think it's an example of players that are holding on to a high level of performance, even as they've gotten older. And they've been wise to, uh, you know, hold on to them. And they've also prepared for the possibility that they get into a season and one of them isn't as healthy as they hoped. It's not going to, you know, ruin the season. It's just going to make it a little bit more difficult, you know, sweating. And uh, the other defensive line will have to take a few extra snaps, maybe elevate their game a little bit. But it's not going to say, oh, my God, Graham just got hurt. You know, we're, we're ruined. And by the way, they got Graham on a very good contract, especially for a guy coming off double-digit sacks, primarily because of that age. So it's a very minimal risk to bring a guy like that back on that kind of contract. So we do have some news, Joe. Uh, the Eagles have agreed to terms with Seahawks running back Rashad Penny. And, mm. you know, here's a guy who, um, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but uh, – it says here he averages close to 5.7 yards per carry in his career and over six yards a carry in the last couple seasons when he's out there. Is this kind of the running back the Eagles are looking at? Uh, the speedy guy, almost like what they have with Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, listen, he's played very well when he's played. So that's the kind of addition we're talking about and the thing they've specialized in being very, very good at. And I do think they really have two backs there that they already really like. So maybe putting Penny into a, a rotation like that will help chances of keeping him healthy. The only thing a little surprising about that name is, you know, just like the defensive line, they got a very, very long history of specializing in wide and running backs that are good in the passing game. Uh, 
Penny is okay in the passing game, but he's not quite as good as what they've usually had with the running backs, but they got two other guys that are very good uh, in that role. So I don't think they have to you know, worry about that. That to me is a classic Philly addition with much more upside than the cost could possibly be um, and rounds out a position that now they don't need to worry about as they go into the draft. If they see somebody they like, they can pick them. They don't need to feel like they have to do that. They can feel like, hey, we can go into the season the way we're set up and we're just fine. That That's the best way to go into a draft, and they, they do that pretty well. Yeah, now I know a lot of people were saying, hey, Austin Eckler has been given permission to seek a trade, uh, but that's probably a price tag too high. Yeah, that's the, the challenge. Yeah, I mean, Eckler is a phenomenal fit for what they do and who's historically been successful in the system. But, you know, Penny is a very good alternative and probably costs massively less and certainly doesn't cost anything in terms of picks. It's just money, but even the price tag would be huge difference between the two. So that's what they do. They find somebody who's maybe not quite as good, but has a very significant difference in cost and can still really make a difference on the field if you can stay healthy. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I, I look at the Javon Hargrave contract and I'm like, I think it's the biggest free agent signing so far. Um, Javon Hargrave, that was a great find by yeah. the Eagles, right? I mean, they got him for three years, $39 million from the Steelers. I always said, wow, Javon Hargrave, you always hear his name playing for the Steelers. He was great. Is this a guy who took full advantage of, of the opportunity with the Eagles, but this was probably a really good signing by the Eagles. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I think it's the previous version of what they do, the Riddick. I mean, he's $15 million a year, you know, three years later than when Hargraves was $13 million a year. The market undervalued him or he slipped through the cracks and missed the first tier and was available at a good price. They don't sign a massively long-term deal. They get a very good player and at the right time go, okay, he's now the whole world knows how good he is. And, uh, you know, it makes sense to move on and, and uh, you know, find the next, the next guy. So if you can keep picking up guys at this time, in the mid-teens, who can make a real big impact on your defensive line. Those are home runs. Those aren't just good additions. Those are home runs. And uh, I think Hargraves will help the 49ers, and at least for the immediate future, that's the Eagles' biggest competition in the NFC. But I think he's going to be on a flattening out or descending scale as that contract goes on, where the Eagles are picking up the Hargraves when he's already good and ascending, picking up the Reddicks when he's already good and ascending. You know, those are the moves that winning teams make, and that's why they're being successful. So you talked about a home run. How about the Grand Slam contract that's coming for Jalen Hurts? Uh, when we heard that the Eagles only had $6 million or so in cap space, and then you're going to sign Jalen Hurts probably to a massive deal, uh, what do you think is going to be the uh, the end result of a Jalen Hurts contract. What do you think that area is that he's going to get to years and money? Yeah. Hey, listen, I've said this, the, the, I don't think it's hard to figure out what the average of the deal is going to be. I mean, on the low end, it's like $46 million a year on the high end. It's into the kind of low fifties. It depends if Burrow goes first and kind of resets the market a little bit. Already get two deals that are essentially $50 million a year. I think the battle and the negotiation that's going to be the length of the contract. You know, it helps the Eagles make the contract uh, more favorable in the early years. It makes it easier to keep the cap charge low for at least in a couple of years if it's a long-term deal. So I think they will correctly be fighting for as long a deal as they can get. 
On the other hand, the player with a cap that's likely to go up 75 to $100 million over the next three to four years, you know, even at $50 million, it sounds crazy, but in a couple of years, that will be a steal. So he's going to fight for a shorter deal and a chance to re-hit the market, you know, as those cap numbers go up that dramatically. We haven't seen a situation like this in the NFL where contracts are going to become this dated this quickly. Um, literally, if the cap goes up even $25 million a year, $20 million a year for the next three to four years, today's $50 million quarterback is going to be a 70 to $75 million quarterback. So for every extra year the Eagles can get Hurts to agree to, it's a massive advantage. And frankly, from his perspective, you know, every year that he can make it shorter is not going to be an incremental or a small amount of additional money. It will increase his career earnings very dramatically. Now, I know some people will say, yeah, but he's going to be unbelievably rich no matter what. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, that's what the market is. The Eagles will be able to afford him and really put together a good team if he continues to play as he has. And that's the, I, I think, will be the hard part of the negotiation. The player really fighting for shorter, the team really fighting for longer. The market's saying about a four-year extension is what the market is. The Eagles will want to get at least a fifth, if not a sixth year. And Hertz, if his agents is really smart, would do everything he can to get three years. Now, we're talking new years. So if he, even if he only got three years plus the other got left, they'd control his rights for at least four more years plus potential tags. So that's a win in my mind from the Eagles' perspective, no matter what. If they can get longer than that, then it becomes better and better for the team. Yeah, that's such a great point you make because doesn't it really, really help the Eagles the longer it is because of how far you can push that money off a little bit? I mean, yeah. you could probably it's, get more space these first couple of years. Yeah, there's two big advantages to a longer-term deal for the Eagles. I mean, one is obviously what we just mentioned, with the cap going up as dramatically as it is. He'll be underpriced in a couple of years, no matter what they pay him now, assuming he continues to play as he is. So that's a big win. You know, the other is, you know, they have been in a uh, mode of lower cap charges in the early years, which creates larger cap charges in the out years. The longer the deal is, the more impact that strategy benefits you. So if their hope is to have like, you know, two years in which his cap charge is still low enough that they can really build out a team very comparable to what they've had, then they need to get to at least four or five new years to fully appreciate that strategy. Now, even if he only goes to three years, they can implement that to a degree where, you know, they, they, they have no excuses, so to speak, to still put this very high quality team together, not overly impacted by the expensive new quarterback. But the longer they can get, the easier that strategy is to implement. And that's why the, the fair battle, I'm both sides are just saying this, and I just want to be fair. Let's get this done. We appreciate you. I appreciate being here. Then that's why I say the average of the deal is within a relatively narrow range and won't be hard to agree to. The length of the deal is something that will really impact both sides very dramatically over the long term. How do you think the Deshaun Watson contract that Cleveland gave him with the guaranteed money how do you think that's affecting negotiations with all these teams and will? I mean, we saw what's going on with Lamar Jackson, but do you think that that could play any role in the contract negotiations with Jalen Hurts? Yeah, listen, I'd be surprised if the Eagles aren't working on this as we speak, because right now it's easy to call Watson an outlier. And it's easy to kind of paint a picture of a player trying to get a similar deal as being, you know, greedy or not team friendly or whatever you want to spin it as. Um, if there's a second or a third deal, like if a Lamar Jackson and a Barrow got essentially guaranteed deals, 
And let's say they were shorter, three or four year deals. You know, the Eagles would love to finish this contract before there's a risk that that could happen and really complement complicate the situation because by the time you get up to two or three versions of that it's not an outliner anymore it's starting to become a precedent so i'm sure the eagles would love to see a deal with hertz get done sooner than later to avoid the risk that these other teams will do something that makes it harder on them they're lucky that cincinnati is one of the teams involved because it's really hard to imagine they're going to give out a fully guaranteed contract even as well as Burroughs played but sooner sooner is better than later on trying to get something done with hertz yeah, and is there any thought from Jalen Hurts' perspective when you see maybe a quarterback like Cam Newton who was involved with running the ball and, and took a lot of shots that Jalen does take some hits? He does a really good job of avoiding them, but he does take some hits. Um, is there kind of something in there where they want some guarantees because of how he plays, um, some protection? You're talking about the Eagles wanting some protection which usually comes in what they call per game bonuses. And yes, the Eagles would love that, but it's really rare with a star player, especially a quarterback for that to be part of a deal. So they may not want to even ask for that as much as they'd like it for fear of the message it sends that we don't completely believe in you yet. We need kind of more convincing, not necessarily on the play, but on the health part of it. I just don't know with a player of this caliber, who's been unselfish, who's performed at such a high level, you want to even ask for something like that in a negotiation. But certainly in a perfect world, they would be better off if they could put some of the money into that kind of compensation. Um, but boy, you got to be very careful. You don't want to get a player who has done everything with a team-first mindset and get him feeling a little bit emotional, like you weren't reciprocating with that kind of a mindset by putting something like that into a deal. If they were asking my opinion, I'd, I'd avoid that and just keep the relationship in what appears to be, you know, a really, really good place and take that benefit versus trying to get that little bit of protection. Joe, I remember talking to you last year and we were all saying, everybody was saying, we don't exactly know what Jalen Hurts is or is going to be. And yep. is it pretty remarkable when you just sit back and look at his ascension, finally having a play caller, two straight years for the first time since high school, the leaps he took in so many aspects of his game. Because if you go back, Carson Wentz drafting Jalen Hurts second round, the fact that they were able to get a franchise quarterback, they found him, there were whispers, and they even, you know, maybe were involved with Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. How amazing is it that it worked out this way with the guy that you have to have, a franchise quarterback? Yeah, listen, I, I don't know if there's any position or any player at any sport that makes a bigger difference than your quarterback. And having one gives you basically a guarantee that you're good. Now you only have to figure out how to get the good from great as opposed to getting all the way from not good to good to great. They, they've almost guaranteed the first step is intact for a long time by having a difference-making quarterback. Uh, but the part that I'm interested to see is it's clear no defense yet in the league has figured out not just how to stop Hurts, but this whole group of players that are both good at running and throwing the ball. That is something that defenses have not figured out yet because all of them are having a degree of success. By the way, also all of them are having injuries, which many would have predicted. So the question now is, will some coordinator or a few coordinators start to figure out the right way to break that kind of an offense down? 
And then what will be the impact on that? And can the Hertz's of the world and the Lamar Jackson's kind of rise to even another level now that the defenses have figured? Because right now this, this defense, the defenses that people are trying against is not working at all. So you have a degree of success. And as you look at this year's draft, that has a couple of these really mobile guys out there. You know, are we going to see the defenses continue to struggle schematically now? I'm not talking talent-wise against this formula. And as they figure out what to do to stop it, what's going to evolve on the offensive side? What are the Hertzes and what are the Sirianni is going to figure out to counteract the, because that's what the history says. Usually innovation takes a year or two for the other side of the ball to figure out like zone blitzes start in the NFL for a couple of years. The offenses were a little bit, Ooh, what do we do about this? Then they figured it out. And we've seen the same thing now with these mobile quarterbacks. So I'm really curious to see, what kind of new ideas do the defensive coaches come up as they have this off season to figure out now that there's so many of these guys, you know, it's not like a one time a season kind of thing. We got to figure out it's, it's going to be many of your games, if not a majority of your games here pretty soon. Yeah. I, I love that point about how it takes a little bit of time to adapt. And then you see teams start to draft a different type of player to try to combat that. You know, yeah. when I look at the NFC now with Tom Brady retired, we think Aaron Rodgers <laughs> looking like he's going to the Jets. My goodness, Joe. I mean, it's pretty open. Jalen Hurts, though, is he the absolute best quarterback in the NFC? I mean, could Kirk Cousins even be a top three quarterback in the NFC right now? Yeah, listen, I mean, it's a, it's a good time to be in the NFC, especially if you have a quarterback. I mean, we'll see. I was a fan of Trey Lance's in the draft. Now, I know he's gotten hurt in San Francisco, and it doesn't seem like they have the same enthusiasm as when they drafted him. But other than that, you know, who's even a, com a competitor for, you know, a, a difference-making stud elite quarterback in the NFC? Now, maybe Carolina will draft one, you know, this year. You know, we'll see what happens. But at this point, the gap between the Eagles and the rest of the teams in the NFC offensively may actually have gotten larger by Rodgers leaving and the 49ers kind of being up in the air about who's going to be their quarterback and when they'll be healthy. Now, obviously we've taken a little bit of a step backwards on defense, but we still got a lot of time between now and when we go to training camp to kind of get that closer to where we were a year ago. So Joe, let's say you're the giants and you have Daniel Jones, obviously new coach. It's, it's gone pretty good, but when you see what Daniel Jones got, and they're hitching their wagon to Daniel Jones, franchise quarterback. Do you think he's all that? Do you think no. he is a $40 million a year quarterback? No, I think they, they've got themselves boxed into, if you're an Eagles fan, exactly where you'd like to see them boxed into. I mean, they, they, they either don't have a quarterback or they have a quarterback that's using up too much cap room to give them the space to truly compete with the Eagles, you know, as the Eagles are, are constructed at this point. Now, they may finally have the right coach and general manager in place, and those people can be smart and overcome some of those challenges. Um, but it's a lot harder when you get a quarterback that I just think is, you know, a little above average, but basically average, and he's usually got $40 million of cap space, you know, and that is a short three-year deal, and he was about to hit the market. So it's not, it's, it's not like a three-year deal that's really four because it was one left. So their ability to have flexibility on his cap number is limited. Um, but listen, they've got a long way to go talent wise. The coaches did an amazing job last year. I mean, an offense, they don't have good wide receivers. 
They have two potential tackles, although the tackle they drafted last year didn't play well as a rookie. The rest of the offensive line to me is, is very questionable. So they get a lot of work to do just to even be close from a talent perspective, in my opinion, to where the Eagles are now. And even the Cowboys, you know, I think the Cowboys with Dan Quinn are going to continue to have a very good defense. If they did add Beckham and he was able to stay healthy, I do think that closes the gap some. But the Eagles still have a big advantage going into the season over every team in the NFC, even with the losses they've had so far. All right. Even defensively, though, because, I mean, the 49ers with that defense and adding Javon Hargrave should open up things even more for Bosa and those guys on the line. I mean, do you think the 49ers have the best front, the best defense? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I would I would say that they're there with the Eagles. You know, we'll have to see what happens with defensive tackle. And I'm assuming the Eagles aren't done making moves. I mean, that's a heck of a front, but it doesn't have a lot of depth. And it got a couple of guys that are a little bit older and Bosa's had some injuries and stuff. So they need to all stay healthy for that to matter. And, you know, they did lose Ward at corner, which I think was an important, you know, loss to them. So, you know, I, I still think the Eagles go into the season, you know, if, if time froze right this minute. And we know there's still a lot to happen. But if we could freeze time at this moment, I still think the Eagles are clearly the best team in the NFC by a decent amount. I think Philly likes to hear that from you. Uh, before I wrap <laughs> this up, um, it, it's unbelievable to me what has happened to Carson Wentz. Um, to see the year he had in 2017 injured. Um, but then you saw glimpses of Carson Wentz helping them get to the playoffs the next two years. And then he suffered that concussion against Seattle. Some people say he hasn't been the same since. Where do you think the downfall of Carson started? Or was it just always in there, maybe being too stubborn, not taking to coaching, things like that? Yeah, I mean, this is, for me, the biggest mystery I've ever seen in sports. I mean, I can't think of another athlete that was at this level. And then, I mean, he may not even be in the league this year. And if he is, he's, you know, a backup, which really doesn't fit his personality or his play at all. Um, maybe it was the first injury that started the downfall. Maybe it was the concussion. I don't know. They will ever know the cause and effect. It was such a precipitous fall and so shocking um, I mean, you know, the Eagles thought they had their quarterback for the next next decade after the first couple of years. There was every reason to think that they were right. And it's not that long later that he's gone to two other teams and failed. And as I say, there's a reasonable chance he won't even be in the league this year. So it's above my ability to figure out, even come up with a good theory as to what happened, because I've never seen it. We've seen players get hurt. We've seen players get concussions. We've seen players that are hard to coach. All the things we know are true about him. And we've still never seen a fall this far, this fast from a player. So it's mystifying. Um, and as I say, we'll probably never have a good answer as to why. I think he's past the point where we can expect, you know, sometimes you see a guy get off the rails for a little bit, then he gets back on it. I don't think that's happening in this case. I think his career, his story has basically been written at this point, which is shocking. Just shocking. Yeah. I remember running into a coach a year or two ago and he said, we thought we had the next Tom Brady, but he didn't really maybe listen to the footwork coaching, didn't listen to certain parts uh, of things he needed to improve on. And then maybe when Nick Foles won that Super Bowl, he wanted to win that Nick Foles Super Bowl on every play, didn't dump it off. He was trying to be the hero every play. But Joe, it's amazing because I agree with you about Carson Wentz. We have a similar guy that was also in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons in the NBA, who has also just completely 
yeah. fallen off and <laughs> don't even know if he loves basketball. He's hurt again. People maybe think that he just doesn't even want to play. Um, so Philly had two of these two yes, guys, <laughs> both, both asked out of Philly. But I think we all realized that it wasn't Philly. That was the problem. It was actually them and the character. Yeah, you know, it's interesting about both those situations. I hadn't thought of Simmons, but it's a good comparison. Is that uh, they, the, the Philly team sort of salvaged the situation. Yeah. The, the recipient of them salvaging the situation figured out, oh, wait, <laughs> they thought it was like the organization or Frank Reich left or, you know, he got a concussion, whatever it was. We, we had some explanation to explain the, uh, the play that had fallen off so dramatically or the lack of even interest in playing. Um, so, you know, the Sixers at least got significant compensation back. The Eagles managed to get significant compensation back and at the same time kind of unloaded what could have been a much more significant problem for a much longer time and actually came out of both situations okay. Amazing. I mean, I, I, it's just amazing how Jalen Hurts has, has improved in all of the things you needed to improve in. Uh, I think it's a great lesson to every kid in America about hard work. Uh, I mean, because that's what he did. He, he first one in, last to leave, and he improved on all the things that he needed to work on. And he's the son of a coach. So I think he learned that at a, at a young age, the accountability and the hard work. So, but it's great to see. Yeah, and, and listen, you like to see good people, hard workers, highly driven, good teammates. That's who you like to see succeed. So this kind of a story is even better because it happened to someone that put that kind of effort in, has that kind of character, cares that much. Those are the guys you want to see, you know, overcome whatever challenges they may have. Well, Joe, I really, really appreciate the time. And we're going to leave it at when you said that Eagles are still, you think, number one in the NFC and maybe by a good margin. So that is a good headline. We appreciate that. All right. I'm not afraid of it. I'm I love it. it. And every time we're here in the office at the Wells Fargo Center, every time I see the link, I remember the big part you had in that. And it's amazing how even now with the things that the organization values, the, the lines and and the quarterback and smart moves with the salary cap, we see everything from your era, you and Andy Reid and Jeff Laurie. So uh, it's been a pretty amazing run now when you look at it that, the Eagles are right up there. Maybe don't have the Super Bowls that the Patriots have. Of course, uh, Steelers have a couple. Um, but, you know, the, the NFC Championship appearances and the two Super Bowl appearances and going back to you, the, the, the one that you had, um, it adds up that under Jeff Lurie that this Eagles team has been one of the top three teams in the NFC the yeah, whole way. Well, I appreciate those kind words. I had a phenomenal experience in Philadelphia. Uh, my kids are still there and love the city and we had a great experience and to the extent we helped lay the foundation for things that are happening now we're we're proud of that and, and happy to see it and and love watching it yeah did you think it was a hold in the super bowl towards the end do you think they should have called it i do not think they should have called it but <laughs> i'm accused of being biased so probably probably a fair accusation but i i don't see it yeah i mean obviously obviously there's a hold but, you know, there's there's a lot of holding and hand checking and and, you know, this is there's a degree of discretion that you hope leads to some consistency. So my complaint there was just consistent consistency. But I, I was always the loudest voice in the building to not focus on things we couldn't control. Don't make excuses. 
you want everybody to feel like, you know, you have to overcome and achieve. So if I was there, I know that's what I'd be saying. But if you're asking me now as a fan watching the game, I do not think the call is right. <laughs> and you know what? America wanted to see Jalen Hurts get back on that field and, and the Eagles offense have a chance to pull it out. That's what everybody wants to see. So it just stinks to see a game decided by that. Um, and I give credit to the Eagles. Like you said, Howie Roseman, no one, no one complained about the or use it as an excuse, the turf, the field, the grass, um, or the hold. So that's a credit. Yeah. You know, as soon as you start letting people make excuses for not succeeding, you've lowered the bar. And this is, again, maybe invisible to the public, but something we've practiced a very long time in believing. I mean, I remember when we started, we started winning divisions and getting very excited, and then we decided to stop celebrating winning a division because we didn't want people to think that was good enough. And I think that's true to this day. And I think that's why you saw the reaction, you know, after the game, that the, the training, the culture in the building is, we're gonna face obstacles, we're gonna face challenges. It's our job to figure out how to overcome them and prevail. And so I, th I think the reaction to that was a great statement that the culture is intact exactly what it needs to be. Yeah, well said, Joe. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight and perspective. I always enjoy talking to you because I uh, I always learn something talking to you. Thanks for your time. Well, my pleasure. Mutual. Have a great day. Oh, mom, so flagrant.